Hello and welcome aboard. This is Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. You've heard people justifying their behaviours with grand statements like God helps those who help themselves. Well, actually, God honours those who honour him. We're in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah and we find that when Jeremiah was given his freedom, he made right choices, continued to serve God faithfully and God provided for him. Sovereign provision is Dr. Corbett's topic tonight. Let's join him now. We're in chapter 40. We're going to look at the first six verses. Let me paint the picture for you here. Jeremiah has been prophesying that Jerusalem would be overrun and destroyed by the Babylonians. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, and finally he was imprisoned for, for this message. While in prison, the Babylonians finally broke through and they did overrun the city. They did destroy the city. And as a result, the Babylonians came and took the residents of Jerusalem captive and took them to a place called Rama on the way to Babylon. And it was there that the prophecy of Jeremiah about the king of Israel, Zedekiah, was fulfilled. Ezekiel echoing the prophecy of Jeremiah where he said the king of Israel would see the king of Babylon, but he would not see Babylon. And that is exactly what happened when uh, the words of Jeremiah to him that he would see his own sons die at the hands of the Babylonians. That is what happened. And after that, the, the king of Babylon had this, man's, had this man blinded, which is a nice way to say it. <clears throat> Jeremiah is there in Ramah. He's in chains. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, recognizes Jeremiah and asks him, Are you Jeremiah? He says, yes, I am. How do you know of me? He said, everybody in Babylon knows of you. And the king knows of you. And the king has ordered that I'm to release you and give you, for all intents and purposes, the status of citizen. And a citizen of Babylon could enjoy all the privileges that comes with that. Freedom to live wherever they want, to do whatever they want. And that was bestowed on Jeremiah, the only Jew to whom it was bestowed. And so he's free with this offer. Come to Babylon. You can live in the palace, eat at the king's table, and he will look after every need you ever have. Pretty good offer. Or you can go wherever you want to go. You're a free citizen of Babylon. Do whatever you want to do. And this is the choice Jeremiah is now facing. So we're going to read this. We're, we're, this is called Sovereign Provision. And we're reading from chapter 40, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had let him go from Ramah. When he took him bound in chains along with all the captives of Jerusalem and Judah who were being exiled to Babylon. Um, what we're about to see now is, is something that is amazing, and that is this. Nebuzaradan does not know God, and yet sometimes 
the activity and the word of God is better recognised by those who don't know God. I, I think of examples of this. I think of a, a couple of decades ago when the minister at St Paul's in England made a statement at questioning, the, I think, the virgin birth of Christ. And, and he challenged some of the most basic tenets of the Bible. And here we have this man in this esteemed position questioning the very word of God to which he had sworn an oath to uphold. <laughs> and that night, a dark cloud came over St Paul's and lightning emanated from that thing and struck the steeple of that church. I guess the, the news reports were God answers the bishop. The, the official church position was it was just coincidence. And, and you just got to think, man, sometimes people who don't know God can read these things better than people who claim to know God. So here we have Nebuzaradan. And listen to what he says to Jeremiah. The captain of the guard took Jeremiah and said to him, The Lord your God pronounced this disaster against this place. He knew it. Now, I'm strangely encouraged by this because we now live in a generation that cannot say this and they can't say this because they don't know what God says. The fact that this guy did says that what Jeremiah was saying was being widely published. It was being widely known. We've got a job to also make the word of God widely known to help people to understand God's word. Nebuzaradan understood the word and he recognized it. This is the word of the Lord being fulfilled. The Lord, notice, this, notice who's getting the glory here. Babylon's just come in and destroyed Jerusalem. This is what Nebuzaradan says. The Lord has brought it about and has done as he said, because you sinned against the Lord and did not obey his voice. This thing has come upon you. This is exactly what God said would happen in Deuteronomy 25. Well, was it 28.25? Where he said, When you turn away from me and turn to idols, I will send in nations who do not know me and they will take you out of the land. And the people will say, Why has this happened? And the answer will be, Because these people turned away from the Lord. This is fulfilling that. That prophecy given by Moses back in Deuteronomy exactly as it was foretold there god had provided and this is interesting because we're in this section of jeremiah where you remember he, he was in prison and he's concerned for who remember who he's concerned for ebed melech remember that the ethiopian guy and remember how last time we, we pointed out here's, here's jeremiah in prison and if i was in prison i wouldn't be concerned about anybody i'm sorry you know, you probably, I'd like, to t I'd, I'd like to tell you that as a pastor, I'd be, you know, constantly interceding for you as I was rotting away in some prison cell. But my human nature is I'd probably be the biggest sook under the sun. How do I know that? Because I already am. Thank you, darling. Smile of affirmation. 
I, I, I would hope that the grace of God would enable me to, to grow up a bit in these adverse circumstances and stop thinking about myself all the time and, you know, help me to snap out of my pity party. And here we find Jeremiah praying for Ebed Melech. And as he's praying for this guy, it was Ebed Melech who had provided the way of escape for Jeremiah. He had rescued Jeremiah when all seemed hopeless. When someone does something for someone like this, this is called being a benefactor. Bene, good factor, good, good deeds. Benefactor. And here we have Ebed Malik, who had provided for Jeremiah. Now we have someone else providing for Jeremiah. You see, back in Jerusalem, wherever Jeremiah used to live, it ain't there anymore. It's flattened. It's gone. Jerusalem is rubble. There's not a lot to go back to. Here, Nebuzaradan is giving him the choice. Go wherever you want. But this isn't the end of it. And I want you to see something here. And this is why we call this section sovereign provision. Because it seems hopeless. It seems like, hang on, God, I have faithfully served you. I've done everything you've asked me to do. My home's gone. My possessions have gone. All my belongings have gone. My city's been destroyed. How is this looking after me? And in the midst of this, Ebed Melech has ensured that Jeremiah is alive. And now this guy, Nebuzaradan, this is why we say God had provided for Jeremiah from some very unlikely sources. And as I ponder this, I want you to consider that there'll be times in your life when you are in need and God is able to provide for you from some very unlikely sources as well. And so an Ethiopian, Ebed Melech, and now we have a Babylonian, Nebuzaradan, who provided for Jeremiah. We, we look in verse 4. Now behold, I release you today from the chains on your hands. Now I want you to notice, Jeremiah had been taken in chains with the other captives to Ramah. And now before all of the captives, before all of these people that had mocked Jeremiah, Nebuzaradan brings him out in front of them all. He he ceremonially unlocks Jeremiah's chains and he declares this this is huge the word is vindication vindication is everyone says you're wrong everyone says you're wrong everyone says you're wrong and you turn out to be right and you're honored and here's what's going on I release you today from these chains on your hands if it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon come and I will look after you well But if it seems wrong to you to come with me to Babylon, do not come. See, the whole land is before you, wherever you think it is good and right to go. Now, this is this is what we might consider to be real freedom. Real freedom is when you've got the ability to choose, to make a choice. And it's and genuine freedom is not just the ability to choose this or this. Genuine freedom is to choose the right and to be able to to be able to choose the right. And that's why we would say when we, we look at someone who's not a Christian, do they have genuine freedom right now? Are they free to do what they want? They might think they are. 
But the Bible actually says that we are all slaves, aren't we? We're all slaves. We're slaves to sin. And when you become a Christian, you don't cease to be a slave. You do cease to be a slave to sin. But you become a slave to someone else. Who? Jesus Christ. And so it's Jesus Christ who gives you a different kind of freedom. As a slave to sin, you can't choose not to sin. You can't help it. You just sin. But when you come to Christ, he gives you the freedom to choose the right. We don't always get it right, this side of heaven. But at least we now have that freedom. And here's Jeremiah. Notice, notice the, the conditions that uh, Nebuchadnezzar gave Jeremiah. He said, whatever you think is good and right. And this, this reminded me of, of what decision making is, is often all about. Because Jeremiah was now given this freedom to make his own decisions. And here's the filter for making your decisions. Nebuchadnezzar has mentioned two of the filters. Here's the other two. The best decisions are not only right, they're good. You know you can do the right thing, but it wouldn't be a good thing to do. Someone has borrowed something of yours. It's right of you, probably, to go over to their property and just take it back. But it may not be a good thing to do. It may be a good thing uh, to let them know you're going to do it. Then sometimes there are things that are, that are right and they may be good, but they may not be wise. They may not be wise. And this becomes the next filter for making a decision. Um, is, it, is it right to love someone? Absolutely, it's right. Is it good to love someone? Well, it depends who that someone is. If you're married to someone, it may not be good for you to go out to dinner with someone who's not your spouse. Uh, it, it, it may be, but it may not be wise. And so we use these filters to make a decision. And that, this is ultimate freedom. When you can make a decision that is good, right, good, wise and loving. A loving decision. A decision that considers other people, not just your own needs or your own wants. Verse 5, if you remain, this is Nebuzaradan saying, talking to Jeremiah, then return to Gedaliah. Gedaliah was, uh, as we'll see in a moment, appointed the governor by Nebuchadnezzar. Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, son of Shaphan, whom the king of Babylon appointed governor of the cities of Judah, and dwell with him among the people. Or go wherever you think it is right to go. So the captain of the guard gave him an allowance of food and a present. Hmm. And let him go. I wonder what the present was. Oh, my guess is it was probably a bag of money of some, of some kind. Here's Jeremiah. He's in chains. He's being led to Ram. You can imagine the thoughts. Oh, man. I wasn't supposed to be going to Babylon. What's going on here? And, and then this happens. And even now, I wonder what he was thinking. Because we still don't know his decision yet. 
He's now got the decision. Is he going to go to Babylon and enjoy the king's fineness, the fine food, the accommodation, the honour, the prestige of being in the palace? Or is he going to return to... And he won't be able to go back to Jerusalem because it's just rubble. So he'll be stationed just outside Jerusalem, a place called Mizpah. And this is, this is the choice. This is the decision Jeremiah is now facing. Hmm. Now here's, I think, an important point to notice. God has used Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, to look after Jeremiah. Unlikely source, a eunuch. An Ethiopian, not a Jew. And now God is using Nebuzaradan to look after Jeremiah. Unlikely, strange that God would do this. But this is how God sometimes operates. And I wonder if Jeremiah realised at this point, God really does care for me. And here's something we see in scripture. God always honours those who honour him. He always honours those who honour him. Always. We see this principle throughout the Old Testament and the New. Proverbs 19, verse 17, whoever is generous to the poor is really honouring the Lord. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Whoever gives to the poor, notice that, not not lends, gives to the poor, is lending to the Lord. Do you think the Lord repays his debts? It's a word picture, isn't it? That shows God will always honour you for that. I'm sure if we opened up the, the mic tonight and said, has anyone got a testimony of how they showed an act of generosity towards someone and they felt that God honoured them for it? Oh man, we could be here all night. I can just share with you story after story from my own life where I felt challenged to give in some way to something as a, a some cause or something to do with uh, the kingdom and God has honoured it. He's just honoured it. We could look at this. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said this, and, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water Because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So just by giving a cup of cold water, by giving seemingly the most insignificant little thing, God says, I'll honour you for that. Now, the context, of course, is helping those, helping disciples share the gospel. This This is just profound. Jesus Christ offers to provide for all who faithfully serve him. You cannot lose in serving Christ. I heard someone describe William Wilberforce. He lived rich and died poor. And I've heard people say, in fact, I've read biographies about this, about William Wilberforce. I've read several biographies about him where they they comment how sad it was that he died a pauper. Then I heard someone put a different spin on it. They said that before Wilberforce died, he ensured that he gave away nearly all his wealth so that he had very little left. 
What an honorable man. And I thought, that's a different spin. He lived rich and died poor. And he did it very deliberately because he wanted to be a generous man. And God had provided for him throughout his entire life. Jesus said this, that sort of backs up this statement, Matthew 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life wow he really is serious about looking after people who say i'll follow you i'll serve you i'll lay down my life i will give you whatever it takes to advance your cause and your kingdom and i'm stirred when i read the 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 life stories of missionaries who who have said i'm going to go to a foreign land and many of them and i think of people like uh, hudson taylor and we think of uh, william carey william carey is a classic one william carey who went to india and there was a, a group of churches back in england said we'll support you and shortly after he got there those churches forgot about him and stopped supporting him and he his wife died he buried two of his children very early on and all of these circumstances could have worked against him and then there was a a benefactor that came along god brought a benefactor into his life someone who provided for him and the rest is history some three four hundred million indians can trace their conversion to christ because of the work of william carey to this day amazing and jesus says you'll never lack by serving me verse 6 then jeremiah went to gedaliah the son of ahakam at mizpah and lived with him among the people who were left in the land so there's your choice jeremiah has essentially said i choose to go back i choose to live with the people this is profound I'm fearful for a generation of young people who today say I'm a Christian, but this this is my fear, that compromise is justified. That's my fear. That sacrifice is foreign. Jeremiah has just, in that one statement there, can, can you read what he's just sacrificed to do this? This is enormous sacrifice. And we live in an age and running uh, church and uh, YFM and, and seeing that these essentially volunteer organisations, it, it's, it's really difficult to get volunteers today. Why is that? Because the whole generation says, I want to be paid. And that's fine. I get that people want to be paid. I get that. But I'm just wondering, does anyone get sacrifice? Here's Jeremiah. He's just made a huge sacrifice. And notice this. Given the choice to go and enjoy the king's banquet table or given the choice to go back to the people. And why were these people still left in Jerusalem and Judea? They were considered the uneducated. They were considered the poor. They were considered the unskilled. They were considered of no value to babylon these people weren't just on the wrong side of the tracks they were on the other hemisphere to the tracks 
And Jeremiah said, I choose them. I choose to be among them. Given the choice, Jeremiah chose to be among the people. Why? I think it was because of his heart for God. And when you've got a heart for God, you've got a heart for people. You look at people different. I wonder if you can think of Jesus. He was enjoying the king's banqueting table. The, the, the real one in heaven. He was enjoying, the psalmist said, infinite joys. Joy forevermore. To be in your presence, O oh God, is to experience joy forevermore. That's what Jesus had. And then he chose to be born a babe in Bethlehem and to be among people. Wow. He chose that. He chose to become one of us. He chose to reach out to us. This is the Jesus whom you follow. Not robed in purple, not wearing gold chains with great big crosses on them. I'm saying that to be a little bit provocative. This is the Jesus that walked. This is the Jesus that chose a family, Joseph and Mary, who, would, who, who lived in Nazareth. Do you know what Nazareth is? Nazareth is where you don't talk proper. Nazareth is where you're from Galilee. You know, Galilee, in Galilee, they say, y'all. They, they, wear, they have a straw wrap them. These are the Galileans, man. These are y'all Galileans. Jesus chose to be raised there. What does that do to your nice middle class sentimentalities? It should cause you to roll your sleeves up and go, I don't want to be a snob. I want to love people. I want to care for people. It's not about life. It's not about stuff. It's about people. This is the Jesus you follow. This is the Jesus you worship. This is the Jesus you claim is your Lord. And if you're following him, guess where he's going to lead you? He's going to lead you to be among people. Given the choice, Jesus wants you to choose to be among people. And if you make that choice, if you say, okay, Jesus, I will be your hands, I'll be your feet, I'll be your mouth. I will care for people. I will give a word. I will give a touch. I will give a look that says you love them. And if you do, he promises that he'll take care of all your needs. He promises that. It's in Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you worry about, I'll take care of. Matthew 6.33. The apostle Paul, who heard Jesus call him to go and be among the people, he wrote this to the Philippians. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You cannot lose by giving to God. You cannot lose by serving God. You cannot lose by making the kingdom of God your number one priority. Here's my question to you. And this might sound like a strange question to ask a Christian. Will you surrender to Jesus Christ and give him your life? I don't think it's a strange question because I think sometimes in the busyness of life, in the helter-skelter of all that we face, we lose sight of who should be number one in our lives. 
we lose sight of the stillness of the moment where we can pray, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've just been so scattered lately. I just need to come back and get still and ask you, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. I surrender my life to you. Take it. Have your way in my life. I've got to do that. And this morning in worship, I've got to tell you, I was worshipping because I want him to be first. To be number one. And it's important for us to meet together on a Sunday so that we get everything back in focus, that he's number one. So when I ask this question, and if I was the finger-pointing type, which I'm not, but if I was, no, there's, there's three fingers pointing back at me saying, Andrew, do you surrender today to Jesus Christ? Will you give him your life? What are you afraid of? God is not a divine Santa Claus who showers us with stuff because we throw our wishes to the sky. He provides for the needs of those who honour and serve him. It's called sovereign provision. More from Dr Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah, Sovereign Provision, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.